Welcome everybody to, uh, it's been a long time, but we're back to the Safina Society podcast and let me turn it over before we turn to our topic of Isra al-Mi'raj. I just want to welcome everybody. We got Moeen, we got Naz, we got Ilyas, and we have some other guests. I don't know if they want to talk or if they want their name mentioned. All right, but we have some other people. Well, Murad may talk. So we got Murad. And we got Kareem. Yeah. So uh, with that, just an introduction uh, to that we're back to this podcast. It's been a while. But now been. we're recording back from our, from our studio for the first time. And now where everyone's comfortable. Uh, and let me turn it over to Moeen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the Safina Society podcast, everyone. It's been a very long time. It's this is really nice. The studio is. I like the the lighting. The we've man. Dr. Shadi has managed to uh, take our uh, you know arms that we've been using these legacy arms that we've been using for almost five six years now, and you know he's got this nice uh, golden. Uh, you know, spray paint that he's done, but it looked really nice. I say it like as if it's tacky, but it looks really nice. Mashallah. Yeah. Um, so welcome everybody. We got we got this whole crew here. So um, it's been a really long time since we've done one of these, and and I wanted to start it off uh, talking about the story of Isra al Mi'raj. You know, because it's it's around that time as well. And and so one of the things that I at the because I spent I think three weeks ago I spent the class with the kids teaching them the story of Isra al Mi'raj, and one thing that I noticed with the kids is if you tell this story to adults, you know, they, they, it's really hard for many adults to kind of grasp mm -hmm. some of these concepts. But the, the kids, they loved it, right? They were like, oh, the burak and, you know, and, and, and the journey. And, and, and one thing that I was thinking about is in the past when the Quraysh, they heard that, you know, uh, the, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he went from Mecca to Jerusalem and, and they were shocked by this because nobody had ever done something like this right and and the miraj the journey of the miraj that that actually was it was so so beyond comprehension that it was just like okay you know they it, they kind of took it now for example someone can travel from mecca to jerusalem in one night and come back via a plane right it's more than possible to do so mm -hmm. but the journey of the miraj and and perhaps dr shadi you can explain it a little bit to our viewers, uh, to our listeners here. From what I understand, the journey of the Ma'raj, it's not, when we hear the heavens, it's not Jannah, right? It's, it's actually heavens. And I've heard from multiple ulama that these heavens, and there's different interpretations, of course, but, you know, it could be different planets or different worlds that you're traveling and traversing millions and millions of miles, right, on, the, on this animal. And it's remarkable to hear something like this because... You know, the modern mind is so accustomed to something that they can explain mm -hmm. and understand, right? Like now the, 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 the creature Burak is the way that it traveled and the way that it did so. And the Prophet wasallam, you know, he was able to withstand this speed, right, at which he traveled. Because we know that it was a physical journey, it wasn't just like a metaphorical journey. And in addition to this, we also know that the angels, for example, you know, Jibreel alayhi salam, he traveled with them and he was along with them, right, at the same speed. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I want to just kick it off to you guys because it's understanding the story of the Mi'raj for me, even more so than the, the Isra, 
right, in, in today's time is, is really remarkable for the modern person to really understand. Uh, well, the main thing that, the reason that it's that way is because people have attributed uh, certain things that they see in life by default. They've attributed it to having a power in itself and being a default. Okay, so basic rules of how things move, of the time it takes for things to be done, are the basic, what we would call causes and effects, okay, uh, that, that we live in life. People have, just because you live it and you experience it every day, people have taken it to be some kind of a default setting of existence, some kind of truth in and of itself. Mm. We don't believe these things are truths in and of themselves. We believe they're only, they only exist the way they exist because Allah Ta'ala wanted them to exist that way. So if you wanted a different gravitational pull on earth and wanted bodies to be different and wanted time to be experienced differently, he could have. If he wanted fire to make to be a for, source of coldness, he could have. If he wanted ice to be a source of heat, he could have. Everything's possible. So the, just because you see the way things are, and that's how you're born, and you're created, and you see that, does not mean that those things have any reality independent of Allah. It's only because that's how Allah wants it to be. Okay? And therefore, if he would want to suspend that, if he wills to suspend that, or do the opposite with it, it's very possible. So it's, it's possible that the sky could have been purple instead of blue on a sunny day. It's possible that human skin could have been purple and green rather than shades of beige, like cream to, to, to dark brown. People could have been shades of purple. Human beings could have uh, walked upside down. Okay? You know, their head, your head could be at the bottom and your feet at the top. Everything is possible. With a, everything is on the table. Nothing, is, there's, nothing has a reality unto itself. Okay, even in this, there's a small book called Al-Kharida. It's just a list of Aqidah points. Someone needs to translate it. Okay, what, Can you translate it for us, Murad? <laughs> it is translated. By whom? I think his name is Ibrahim Hakim. It's on the PDF of translations available. Uh, okay, it's good? Uh, a translation, translators will always have their opinions. Okay, it's good, but it's not populated. It's not out yeah, there. It's not, I right? think even the Kharida in the English speaking community is not well known. Okay, so in this Kharida, he says that if you say that the thing has power in itself, then he's sahib bid'ah. That means Allah gave it power. Then you're a mubtada. So if you say that something has power in itself, that it's a reality unto itself, that's disbelief for us. If you say something is given power by Allah, that's bid'ah for us. Nothing has... What's going on? Okay, uh, nothing has power uh, in itself at all, except that Allah is creating through it. That's it. Once you dismantle this worldview, right? There's no such thing as oh, you can't do this because there's no oxygen up here. They can't have a miraj because there's no oxygen. Angels can't travel that fast, right? Th these things that you people say, you have to realize they are built on the belief. They're built on the belief that these rules of nature and physical rules are realities unto themselves. Once you dismantle that belief, you can believe anything. Now the question is, the question is really just the source of the transmission, right? Do I believe this person or not? Right. That's the real question. Okay? And that's why there's such a precursor to Islam of the Abdul Muttalib. 
the, the message did not begin, do not think that the message began with the prophets. Yes, the message began with the prophets, I said. But there was groundwork laid for the Arabs through Abdul Muttalib to make all of the Arabs through a series of events. We can't go over them here. Maybe we'll go over them another time. But it's so overlooked in the seerah. People do mention it, but it's overlooked the, the value of it. It made all of the Arabs, the entire peninsula, realize that of all people, the Quraysh were special people of Allah, and of all the Quraysh, Abdul Muttalib was a man who was special. And of all his sons, Abdullah was the special one. So when the next son, which is the Messenger وسلم, comes, and he claims prophecy at the age of 40, there should be no surprise, right? And many incidents in the life of the Prophet should prove him to be honest. These two points are the basis of our belief of Isra Mi'raj. Easy belief. Number one, you break up this notion that anything that the way things are have any reality to themselves. Independent powers, they're not independent. They're, they don't have to be this way. Okay, They're only this way because Allah wanted it to be. And the second is the trustworthiness of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So a Muslim who has a hard time believing in these things, and I just did a quick scan and found so many websites in Arabic for the Arabs trying to show the Arabs that Isra Mi'raj was haqiqah, not imagination, khayal, or dream. Because still some Arabs still believe that. It was a dream, or, I mean, some Muslims in general. But I'm saying these Arab websites. Yeah, and, and there are so many incidences, like you said, you know, like, for example, Abdul Muttalib, uh, and... Even with the Isra wal Mi'raj, another incident which I found remarkable is after the Mi'raj, when the Prophet ﷺ returned, right, the sun was held back for some time, you know, because there was a, a the caravan was coming. So the Prophet ﷺ, you know, he, he said that he saw a caravan when he had returned. And so the Quraysh, you know, they, they were awaiting this caravan for a few days. And so he said that there is a caravan coming. And so they said, well, there was, this caravan isn't coming anymore because there was some issue. Uh, you know, and he said, no, no, it's coming. It's going to come today, as a matter of fact. And so it was, the day was almost about to end. And as the day was about to end, you know, the, the other Sahaba, they're looking at the sky like, hey, you know, the day is about to end. Where is this caravan, right? They, they don't want the Prophet wasallam to, 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 you know, be proven uh, wrong or to look bad. And so the Prophet wasallam, you know, is, is known to have made a dua at the time at, in, in which the sun was held back. And so the the people in the Arabs at the time, they actually were kind of, they thought it was weird, right? It's what's going on? Why is the day so long? The sun is just not going down. And to the modern mind, like something like that, that the sun can be held back. And this is why some of these incidences of the Mi'raj, and unfortunately people don't study the Sira and, and realize this, is because there's so many things that require pure Iman. There is no naturalist explanation to this, right? How is the sun held back? Right, and, and this is, comes from Allah, right? So, what you just mentioned in the in, in the previous thing that Dr. Shadi was talking about, these websites trying to explain this for even Arabic speakers, this is just because the epistemological frame is completely shifted, right? So, for people in an earlier time, for pre-modern humans, the idea these ideas wouldn't have been strange. You might have had a question about the source of it. You might have been like, this is competing with what I've inherited from my forefathers in terms of religious belief. But you would never have questioned whether the supernatural is possible, whether Allah has power in the world and manifests it in ways that are different from... I mean, this is the definition of a miracle, right? Physics is different. Right. So, But we're now living in a, in a situation where the epistemological frame, even for the Muslims, is 
can you what's what's the empirical proof which is it's an insane it's an insane uh flip of reality versus what is uh, versus something that's actually just tricking us into thinking it's reality uh, and one right. of the tenets of modernism is this belief in naturalism that this the way things are uh, they have some kind of I- intrinsicness to itself this is the shadows in Plato's uh, yeah. veil. So let's, let's yeah. back up a cave, bit. Right? So, so explain naturalism. So naturalism being uh, this, this concept and idea that the way that you see things uh, through experimentation, through observation, right, that it has an intrinsic aspect to it, right? Maybe, maybe you can give us more the official definition, but that it's this way all the time as a law. We say that it's not a law. So even the laws of nature may not be the exact you know, right expressions because they're only this way because Allah has wanted them to be this way and they could have been the opposite. And every once in a while, Allah Sada shows us humanity the opposite. So we, for example, we don't even we don't even believe in uh, natural laws technically. Yeah. Because they're just the adas of Allah, the habits of the habits. We have great terms for them. Ada mm-hmm. habit. That's a great term, not a law. And we have the word sebab, which means like if you want to reach Point B, you have to go through point A. If you want to count to three, you got to count to one and two first. It's just a means. It's not a necess- a thing that has power in itself. So we're not moderns. And that's why the if you look at the, um, the common Muslims, many common villagers, they have no problem at all believing in a miraculous event. And sometimes their foolishness, which is a pious foolishness if you ask me, is that they just don't question the transmission. We... We don't believe in fairy tales either. Fairy tale to us is not that something breaks modern physical laws. It's that something that has no basis. It has no transmission. That's what we would call a fairy tale. So it's fairy tale not because it's doing something miraculous or something. Firstly, even what is a miracle for us? It's just simply something that is not the norm of Allah's will. That Allah's will is in our normal experience is that water cools you down and quenches you. Fire burns. Well, for Sayyidina Ibrahim, it cooled him down. The fire was cool and peaceful for him. It's the norm that a woman does not have a baby without a man. Sayyidina Maryam. Well, that can be debated. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Sayyidina Maryam has a baby to remind the creation, to remind the creation how things are created. Things are created because Allah wants them to be created. Absolutely. Right? I mean, one of the things that uh, about the creation of Adam, Adesana, you think a human being has been created in many different ways. Yeah. So where's the naturalism? So we break this concept. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're not modernists. And w- remember that, that, that video that we were uh, laughing at about Sheikh Asrar, that he's saying, our people, we, the Brelvis, we just believe everything we hear that sounds like a miracle, right? <laughs> and he's like, for example, I'll give you a story of a false hadith, that when Sayyidina Bilal came back to call the Adhan after two years, with the Prophet Sallallahu passing, والسلام, that all the people came out crying, and even the sky started to weep blood, raining blood. <laughs> they all the people said, Subhanallah, right? And he's like, No, no, I'm telling you, this is a fabricated hadith, right? <laughs> telling you, this is the false one. <laughs> so, but they just love those things. They love it because it seems like Allah's near when these things happen. But the point being is that we have to break this concept of modernism when it comes to these physical laws. You know, what's, yes. what's so interesting is that 
uh, in, Islam, in the Islamic tradition, there's a balance between um, this belief in miracles and also the sort of uh, empirical nature of fiqh, right? That we, we rule and judge by what's customary. Mm -hmm. So if somebody said, like, you know, um, somebody stole, like, uh, $100 from you, and we're in a court of law, and the person, it's proven that this person has the money, you know, he could give an explanation, you know, he, he could say, you know, yesterday I woke up in the morning, and I found these $100 under my bed. Yeah. And I don't know how they got there. But all the circumstantial evidence points that he stole the money. Mm -hmm. So the Qadi is going to rule by what's apparent and what's outward and not by his fantastical okay. story. That's a great right? point, yeah. And the, the point I'm trying to make is that extraordinary claims do require evidence, but the fact is that once that evidence is presented, there's no, you know, yeah. uh, we must accept it. And, so. and here's the thing. When we say that we don't believe in certain things, uh, the limitations of it, number one, there are law, there are asbab in nature, in the creation. And the asbab have, have two, uh, you know, purposes. Number one, you'd go crazy without them. You'd go crazy if gravity was different every day. You'd go crazy if there was a different amount of minutes in, the, in a day, every day. So it's fixed for the sake of our sanity. Number two, it's fixed to such precision to show us how much knowledge Allah has. Number three, it's fixed as a gift to show us you can achieve things. If you want to get to point A to point B, you can study how to get to point A to point B and get there. And you will get there. Right? By the permission of Allah. But you will. And we're told to do things by this. I mean, Imam Haddad says, make, make dua, but Allah will not help you until you start helping yourself. And how do you help yourself? Study the asbab and go by them. Use them. Okay, in the same way the atheists, they study everything and they think everything is, is fixed. Yes, we act upon that, but we don't believe in it. Now, here's why we don't believe in it. Because at one point, these asbab will limit you. You'll be stuck. So we don't believe in them because at some point, belief in them is a limiting factor. So if I need to get from point A to point B, and all I have is $30, right? At that point, you say, okay, I'm going to do... Uh, prepare as Allah says what what you're able to and then rely upon Allah for the rest so we're not limiting or we don't limit ourselves by asbab okay now here's another point that we have to talk about and I know many people who are more theological oriented they're gonna t talk to us about this they say oh you guys you have almost no no you don't believe in any limits on these physical laws but you do believe in logical laws so the answer to that is very simple. <laughs> you want to take? You want to answer that? Sure. Yeah. This is very basic. Yeah. Every single believer believes that there is the super rational, which is miracles, which are things that Allah can change about physical reality, and then there's the irrational, mm -hmm. which is Allah having a son. Thank you. Allah being that son. Mm -hmm. Or triangles having four sides. Exactly. Logical Good. things that are logically impossible. It's not impossible. It wouldn't be impossible if aliens descended into this room right now and mm -hmm. kidnapped us all with, with some kind of beam, right? Rationally, it's not. It's not. It's not it's plausible, but it's yeah. super. It's not yeah. something that we have any understanding of or how that would work. But it is plausible. Good. It's equally plausible that the most powerful being uh, in, in existence, who is not contingent, right? So doesn't 
does is not limited by any of the laws of yeah. physics can override those laws whenever he chooses. So remember this uh, this he, he claimed to be a Matsudidi British guy, and he said, "You Ashadis, you know your God can do everything except what's you know the follow break the laws of logic." <laughs> okay, so he said, "Look, the laws of logic are not Allah is not bound to anything." Number two, but the laws of logic, there would be no communication without it. Our com- our very communication about the subject matter requires mantiq, right? So it's not, we don't say Allah is bound by anything. But if you don't speak logically, we can't communicate, right? There's no communication at all. So we're the ones who are bound by it. And as a result, the only way to communicate truth is through mantiq. Okay, so what Alex said really is the best way. There's the rational, which is what we live by every day. Then there's the super rational, which is that which is not inconsistent in itself. It's just something you haven't seen before. And then there's the irrational, which is a contradiction of words and a jumble up of words and language. Right? And these two things must be separated. And it's one of the main points of our aqidah is we have these two things are completely separate things. Okay, so the rules of how we speak and how we communicate are fixed but what we believe is possible is almost open-ended and yeah. we, we do have one area in which even the super rational is limited yeah and that's by whatever allah has revealed in his messenger so yeah whatever so, so if there's like it's it's it wouldn't be illogical but it is impossible scripturally scripturally so there's scriptural impossibilities and there's rational like abu jahl being in paradise yes or, or abu Lahab being in paradise it's scripturally impossible so it's not possible yeah. It's not because it's illogical. It's just yeah. that it's not possible because it's been revealed. Allah saying other than the truth. Mm-hmm. Impossible. Yeah. It's impo- no matter what kind of theories you come up with. <laughs> How about, so So this is the what we say, for example, about Allah Ta'ala, he tells us, who dies upon shirk, yeah. he's in the fire. So rationally, it is rationally possible that he forgives someone who died on shirk. But it's scripturally impossible because he said otherwise. Right, so we separate between those two things too. Well, so, yeah. I, so what people will say is, "Hey, you know, you're now bringing in logic into all of these things, and, and you know, this is this is sophistry and all that stuff." Here, here's the problem: a lot of this stuff is really an emotional issue. Mm-hmm. It's not a rational issue for a lot of people. It's an emotional issue. For example, you're placing limits on Allah. This is not a rational statement. This is a emotional statement. Right, we understand. We There's, all understand we that we, put, no we all love Allah. Allah. No, we shouldn't put limits. Nobody's right. putting limits on Allah. But you saying that puts somebody in a defensive position yeah. that, like, as if like the other person is placing limits on Allah. No, we're not placing limits. No, on Allah. I'll tell them you guys right. are, you're placing a limit on Allah. Right. Right. So I mean, if like you said, it would be impossible to comprehend, mm-hmm. understand, or communicate without exactly. certain boundaries of. <laughs> Of, of words exactly. right? and so yeah. like even Allah himself ha- by speaking to us yes in theory right in a way has placed a limitation on our understanding so without those boundaries like there is nothing there is only Allah who has it was bound you need you know, the, every word has to have meaning and the connection of your words has to have meaning right otherwise there's no communication so because you look and and, 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 and uh, almost everything you know I, I've learned in the last like you know year is a lot of stuff is just emotional 
Yeah. Right? People are unable to move past emotional biases and really like emotion clouds it. judgment. And it clouds their judgment. This is not a a, a ugly understanding. Yeah. And the only reason I say this is that there's there's a stark difference because we're literally saying one thing is fixed. When you utter a word, it has to have a meaning. When you string words together, that meaning must be consistent with itself. Otherwise, that is a non-thing. On the, right. on the other hand, physical realities are completely all malleable. That's the exact opposite sentiment, right? Mm-hmm. One is fixed, yet physical realities, such as the Mi'raj, which is the prophets, ascending to paradise, to the different heavens, the levels of heavens, Samawat al-Saba. And then speaking to Allah directly and taking the five prayers from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That reality, the physical reality, is completely malleable in our aqidah, right? It's completely malleable. And that's the big difference. Because I didn't want someone, some people who are, who are theologically minded, and sometimes they look at us with a critical eye, right? Which is fine. I enjoy that. But they may say, oh, you believe the physical is so malleable, but yet you guys are fixed on logic. We're fixed on logic because we can't com- speak other, any other way. Any other way is a nonsensical communication. You say the person's... An insane person is not a person who brings you an idea that you've never seen before. The insane person is someone who utters words that have no meaning, and if they have meaning, you connect them together, they have no meaning in their connection together. That's what we say is the mantuk that we're talking about. So that's why... I didn't want to go too far into that, we should get into the story of the Mi'raj itself, but that's just to make sure that that point is clear. Just to put it to rest, um, the, the, the number of things that the, the attribute of Allah's power is linked to, yeah. like, uh, what's that number in that set? Mm-hmm. How many things can He do? It has no limit. An infinite number. That's, yeah. that's it. So, that's, so that's the end of the discussion. That's a great way to put it. And I think that this is really relieving for her. This aqidah is very relieving because... It means that when Allah says a word, that's what it means, right? There are no tricks being played here, right? If I don't understand the Quran, I see what the Arabs meant by that word, right? If there is a, 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 a logical element here, that's observed, okay? It's, it, Allah says, أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Say, oh, why you're using your intellect with Allah? Because Allah told us to. أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Don't you use your intellects, right? Why are you using your intellect? Because Allah told us to. But then, when it comes to physical realities of life, it's almost limitless. It actually, there's a spiritual and a mystical element to it because it allows your imagination to actually roam around a little bit. And there's a reality to that. So this frees you in that respect. I was going to say, um, if you believe as we do, there's a wisdom in all of Allah's actions, mm-hmm. right? Then you believe there's a wisdom in that He created us with an aql, mm-hmm. right? In that, for example, we you know animals don't have an aql, they don't have an intellect, right? Um, a dog walking with a stick in his mouth cannot go through the door. He doesn't know. All he has to do is turn the stick and he can walk through the door. He's just, he just keeps trying to go through the door. So we believe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us an aql and there's a wisdom in doing so. And the wisdom is to, uh, like you said, to know him and to be uh, not overwhelmed by the unimaginable amount of change that could possibly happen every day, right? With, you know, today fire is cold, tomorrow it's hot, tomorrow it's warm. So when we use our intellect, we're using it to affirm what is necessary for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is impossible in relation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what is possible in relation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so we can have that knowledge of that correct knowledge of it, right? Yeah. We're not uh, like, for example, you have the Mu'tazila who put the aql before the, the scripture, 
we actually want to use scripture and aql together because we believe there's no contradiction, right? You can't tell us that we're, you, it, it, we have a, an aql and a scripture that came that go hand in hand together, right? Because some people's theology, definitely their theology goes against the aql mm -hmm. and they can't reconcile them. But we say everything that we know in the religion from, the, from these things, from al-Isra wa al-Mi'raj, what we call the Sam'iyat, right? Those things that are, we know from the prophets telling us and airing us, we know all of these things, although to some people it might seem hard to believe, we know every single one of those occurrence, occurrences, from Jannah to Jahannam, the angels, the Malaika, the jinn, all of that is mentally possible. Mm -hmm. Your mind still, at the end of the day, can conclude this is something that is possible to exist. Yeah, and one of the things that, uh, the secular world does instead because they don't have prophets they have superheroes where they create a world but if you notice that superhero world is consistent in itself mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. like superman is always allergic to kryptonite like he's always weakened by kryptonite he's not weakened one day and strengthened the other day so it's consistent within itself superman's gay now by the way. oh i heard about this yeah everybody's him gay or his, his son is a homosexual no he is right so no, his son, his son, his son is, uh, is gender is ambiguous or, or homosexual. Okay, now there's a story. Is he still Superman? Super person. Super person. <laughs> how are you gonna brand this? What is a man? What is a man? How are you gonna how are you gonna brand it? How you, his his Batman, <laughs> Superman, Spider Man. You're gonna unbrand all these things. What is a man? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now listen to this. There is a story because Malaika travel at speeds that we cannot, they're faster than the speed of light. The speed of light is slow in comparison, mm -hmm. right? It takes hundreds of thousands of years for, you know, certain stars that we're looking at now, we're looking at their past. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. So we're looking at the past of many, many stars from hundreds of thousands. Speed of light is really slow. So the first Muslim modernistic thought was that malaika travel at the speed of light. No, that's really slow because... There's a story that the Prophet said that uh, happened in the time of the Prophet that a Sahabi went out to for trade. And that Sahabi then was overtaken by a thief. And that thief, he had a craving for killing the victims as well as stealing from them. So he didn't want to just steal. So he said, take all my, my luggage and leave my life. He said, no, I, I'm taking your luggage and I'm going to kill you. He said, then let me pray to Rakas first. Man got up and he prayed salah and he made a long dua. Okay, it's a long dua, and that dua is there. And me and Uthman actually, uh, we actually highlighted that dua because we read the story together. It's in the Risal al Qushayriya. He said this amazing dua. As soon as he finished saying that dua, a knight with a spear, in other words, someone dressed like a, the Arab soldier, came with a spear and knocked this thief onto the ground the man had finished his salah and then this knight gave him the sword and said kill him the man said I don't know how to kill somebody I don't want to kill anybody you kill him so he chopped his head off he killed him the knight he said who are you he said we received your dua it was so strong your dua was so strong so emotionally charged we received it in the fourth heavens and then we all vied for who would answer. And Allah picked me to come down and answer your prayer all right, because you were so desperate in it. And the man ran and told the Prophet, I sent him this story. 
So here we have, and we don't know where the first heaven ends. This dunya, where does it end? The Prophet ﷺ in the Mirage, he tells it, it has an ending. There's a door, right? So that means it has, there's a connection. Everything has to have an end. It's not just infinite, right? For, for clarification also. Yeah. When we say heavens, we're not referring to... We're not referring to paradise. We're not referring to paradise. We're, we're referring, we're referring to, to abodes world. above us. Yeah. Celestial realms. Celestial cosmos. realms. The cosmos above us. Or so, below us. Celestial you know, realms, you're going to... That's for a Zaytuna publication. Right? Glass dome of the flat earth. Okay, so it's basically um, uh, these heavens, these, these non-paradise... They're not paradise, it's heavens. Paradise is closed until the Prophet ﷺ is opened for him. So it goes to show how fast and how quick these malaika travel. So then when we come to the Prophet ﷺ, we know that his constitution is different from our constitution. Yet because then the Prophet say, I'm giving the strength of forty men, I'm giving the he has a different constitution than others. Okay. And hence, if we if you were asking the question, how could he physically leave the stratosphere, there's no oxygen. Right? There's no oxygen. Well, um, in a rocket ship, you're protected by the aluminum, right? Why are you thinking that metal is the only thing that could that could in- insulate somebody? Couldn't he be insulated by something from the malaika that preserved his body perfectly? Like, why would you assume that metal and whatever a rocket ship is made out of is the only thing that is an insulation? Here's one thing that right. I want. If you wanted, if you wanted to go that route, I think it's pointless to go that route. But if you wanted to go that route, there could be something completely unseen that insulates for the body of the prophet as a body of a human being to travel to those at those speeds. First of all, your flesh would fall off, right? But he's insulated. Now, one yeah. thing I want to interrupt with is: is this also not sort of? a naturalist reading of, of like that specific situation as well because like I mean that's I, what I'm I saying do, I, if I you wanted too, to look right, at it right, like right, right. it's like because like I mean I, I make this mistake all the time right which is for example he sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you know if Allah desired he didn't need even any sort of envelope of the angels or yeah. anything but I'm saying matter, right? like it, we uh, regular people who are heedless oh, right, right. regular people understand. have invented something to insulate the human being right, right, right. you think Allah cannot insulate a human of being course. right? Of likewise when you tell people uh, certain things like the Prophet ﷺ receives all of the salam of the people of the Muslims and he sees all of their deeds well how many Muslims are there? billions right? well we also we human beings have made websites non-animate, inanimate, non-living websites that receive billions of hits every single day and are answering all your queries through a search engine, right? And it's a thing. It's not even a thing. What is it? It's lights on a screen, right? Google is lights on a screen. YouTube is lights on a screen. Is it fair to say billions of people are, 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 are searching stuff at That's any given more. time? Perhaps more if you count like machines. Yeah, yeah. right? So... So if we have a non-animate, non-living thing that's doing all that, just to give the Muslim who's a modern thinker a, a reference point, you got Kufar did it. That's what Sheikh Nuh said about the awliya that fly. Oh, do we believe in awliya that fly? He says, we believe in Kufar who fly, right? <laughs> 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 and you flew with them to get here, right? So why can't I believe that what he flies, right? So when we, when we look at things in, in, in proportion, right? 
or in comparison, I should say. Then you realize, oh, yeah, that's actually not even a fantastical belief. Well, why do we right? take uh, airplanes for granted? Like, how is that not a miracle? And, you know, I, I get the, you know, there are engineers that say, yeah. okay, it's actually, it's, uh, you know, well, actually, it's the wind and whatever. But before, <laughs> but, but before, before that happened, right? Yeah. Before people discovered that actually uh, you could actually um, make, a, make a vehicle fly in the air uh, by exploiting some type of physics, people thought it was impossible completely. And a lot of people, when they tried to fly, uh, you know, there was this Muslim guy in Spain, I think. He died trying to, to fly. Uh, fly like a bird or something. So they actually thought that people flew because they, they pushed down the air under them and then that lifted them up. But this is actually Because that's what the, angel, the, the birds are doing. They're right, pushing right, down. Yeah. Right. But even the birds, that's not, that's not what they're doing. They're flying because there's a pressure difference between, the, I believe, the top of the wing and the bottom of the wing, mm -hmm. which is something, you know, it's, it's a miracle that that would create flight. Yeah. The, so, you know, the only reason that it's, we don't get amazed by it is because we take it for granted. We see it exactly, every day. Exactly. And, and um, in the creation of Allah, why is the virgin birth any different than a regular birth of a male and female. Set aside that the one who gave the birth is the greatest of women, and the one who gave, was born, is from the greatest of prophets, Ulul Azm. Set that point aside, right? In itself, the Arabic language tells you, one is, a, this is Ada, man and woman, is a common creation. Mm -hmm. Habitually created, we're used to it. And the virgin birth is Kharaq al-Ada, is different from the norm. What we're amazed by is how it's different. That's it. Why is that? Why is it any more special? This, the, yeah, and not to get to, to say something like, uh, I don't know, maybe people get think, but when the sperm, that thing has no brain, yet it's going to travel to the egg, and it's going to peck, and it's going to make sure it gets in there, and it will do it until it dies. It has no brain. Why didn't it go up? Why didn't it go down? So how is this not a miracle too, right? Absolutely. Moreover, that, that sperm cell has no power in and of itself to impregnate or transfer genetic material or yeah. initiate a, a gestation. has nothing of itself. So from the standpoint, I love the saying that either everything is a miracle or nothing's a miracle. Exactly. So I remember I asked uh, my teacher, our principal, Sheikh Nadir, I said, okay, we as Muslims can say, for example, that uh, one of the signs of Allah subhanahu wa is the fact that you have this human being Born, it's a miraculous thing, the sperm and the egg. But then I said, oh, I asked him about. I said, what about birth defects? People being born with, you know, an extra appendage or no appendages. And he said uh, something that really blew me away. He said, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wills for that to happen to show us. Don't think mm. this is an absolute that you can that no matter what, like we said, things do not in 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 and of themselves affect. Don't think that. It's an absolute law. You're always going to have a complete, perfect, wholesome human being. If Allah wills, He can remove this, add this, change this, make this collapse, make this. Uh, so He says it's it's actually a sign of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala these birth defects. And and don't don't think it's a right. Don't think it's you a right. No haq. And by the yeah. way, here's another element too. I read somewhere that there's hardly any animals in the wild that have birth defects. And when they do, it's because they came in contact with humans. Uh, 
inventions and things like that. The, the text. It's human elements that corrupt us. When the, we have autism, when we have diseases, there must be something that we're doing to our food or to our air, but we just haven't pinpointed it. That, that's, actually, that's actually correct. It's yeah. all exogenous influences. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this returns to also one of the issues that uh, people, when, when they talk about theodicy, right, the, uh, the question of evil in the world, a lot of what they're saying is, Allah should intervene for all of man's Pains. bad actions yeah. and prevent those yeah. and make them have no consequence. Mm-hmm. And then, if not, Allah is not all good, right? Yeah. Because he, an airplane goes... Well, an airplane fell down because the, the, the parent company put profit over uh, safety, they didn't invest enough in, in mechanics, they didn't invest enough in pilot, whatever it is. And then they go, well, the, obviously Allah is not all good because he let this airplane full of innocent people. That, yeah. No, human beings did something that they shouldn't have done and that has consequences and Allah allows those consequences to manifest in the world so that people can learn about their actions and the fact that there is a cause and effect apparently and so you should change your actions. So you have a lot of birth defects in frogs. Maybe stop dumping those chemicals in the water. Exactly. Right? This is just a sign for us to learn to do yeah. better. Which it, frogs too? Our frogs, right? Yeah. Not the frogs of the Amazon. Right, exactly. Where we're totally with nature. Human... Uh, d- d- production is going down for example people's semen is messed up their sperm counts are messed up is it related to their phones in their pockets laptop too laptops on their lap (laughs) right like there is a cause plastics plastics in the water that were were contained (laughs) 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 okay listen this i'm telling you we're 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 actually we're actually inventing stuff that's going to end up decimating our population without us knowing it because once that population drops i read an article the other day new york times and then it was followed by another and another and another that the, the looming crisis is not terrorism in this century is not bioterrorism it's the decimation of the human population and once this population is going down who's going to man certain things right it takes manpower to do certain things right yeah so uh, i'm gonna just a brief tangent here who's gonna buy this stuff you're going to automate to buy... Who's buying that stuff, yeah. right? So we have a 200-year history since uh, of, of this theory, this Malthusian theory of uh, scarcity, right? Yeah. Where there's always some elite eggheads uh-huh. who really think, are really afraid that we're going to have too many people, we're not going to have enough natural resources, yeah. and it's going to cause the destruction of humanity on Earth. Um, they've been saying this for 200 years. The population has you know, doubled and redoubled and redoubled and redoubled m- many times since then. And all we're doing is producing more excess of natural resources, actually. Mm-hmm. We've never run out. But these people still exist. Now they, they're, they're... What's that noise? They're now in... Uh, What's banging like that? Sahib's eating. Oh, Sahib's eating? What are you eating, Sahib? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not eating anything. It's uh, hot chocolate. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got to stir it. You got to stir so, it. Why don't you come here? He's stirring the hot chocolate. Sahib always has something good to say, by the way. He's a, really, he's a liberal arts guy, so he's, he's, so he's great to have on as, as a talker. Yeah, so the Malthusians. The other guys say I'm a science guy. No, no. Not gender studies. No. In this day and age, they continue to exist, and they continue to think that we have too many people. Um, they're scared that that there's going to be too many people. We're going to eat up all the food. We're going to spread diseases. We're going to cause. Uh, it's a haram you know, belief. Of course, it's a forbidden belief. It's, it's a forbidden belief Islamically, but it's also illogical because. Again, they've been on this stupid belief for 200 years, and it's always proven false. Yeah. 
Um, but they keep feeling that and, way. Right? And you know what? What actually, if they want an actual proof, a statistical proof that's objective, go to any economic field in, in any industry. A lot of them are economists, oh. like the World Economic Forum. I mean, they're fools. If they were they're look at look at business, okay. If you used to open up a, uh, a let's say you, you created tablets, right? You invented the tablet. Apple invents the tablet. They're the first one out with the tablet or the smartphone. Now you're going to have competitors, right? So what do you think naturally? What do you think you're going to make more money if you're all alone or if you have competitors? The natural thought is if I'm all alone. No, the reality is once there are competitors, the pie grows bigger. Your percentage grows decreases, but your amount goes up. It happens all the time. Your percentage of your of the of the market share that you have is much less, okay, than when you were alone. When you had 100%, now you're at 50%. But the amount of money you make is more than doubled because you've created, you spawned a whole industry and you're competing against each other and everyone's buying it now, it's, right? Is it really, this comes from a disease of the heart. It's miserliness, right? It's miserliness. And, and it's not miserliness with their wealth. It's yeah. miserliness with the natural, with the resources that Allah has provided on this earth. They're afraid that they're going to lose that, right? Because they're in good positions. They're always, they're always the elites, right? So they're wealthy, they're well-educated. So they're scared that somehow they're going to lose, you know, the beauty of, of natural earth. What they don't have is Allah al-wasi'ah. Al-razaq. He's vast and he's razaq and there's no end to his khalq. If he wants to create, he's going to create. You know, you know what's so amazing? That all of the scientific discoveries, like the great scientific discoveries, uh, Newton, um, Copernicus, the, the one who said that uh, the, the sun is the center, center of the solar system, all of these discoveries, they were not arrived at because that person was like doing logic chopping. Mm -hmm. right? It, it, there was a very, very very difficult period for all these scientists where they're just like, okay, I don't, I don't know. I don't see a way out of this, right? Newton was confused by spooky action at a distance. What is gravity, right? Why do things attract each other? It makes no sense. There's no, nothing connecting them. And then out of nowhere, there's this insight. Mm. Suddenly, and this insight is not like rational. Like there, there's nothing rational for you to say, okay, uh, the earth is not the center of the universe, it's the sun. Yeah. Right? There's nothing... It's uh, Copernicus chose No mathematical chose it. equation that led him to that. Yeah, and uh, Copernicus, Copernicus chose it because he said, okay, you know, maybe the sun is brighter, it's the, it's the best star in the, um, in the universe. Let me just put it in the center. Let me see what happens. Mm. And all, the math, all the equations worked. Right. And so a, a lot of these things, you know, when people worry about, you know, how, how is the human race going to survive and they calculate, they do all their equations, especially the economists, and they all come to the same conclusion that, okay, we're all going to die off, you know? So yeah. we have to either kill people or, you know, uh, limit the population. It's because they're thinking that they can solve these issues just with their reason. But yeah. there has to, there's this extra element that we don't know where it comes from. Obviously, it's from Allah SWT that gives that inspiration to solve the problem. Yeah, and right. uh, we, we believe that uh, in the dunya, in Hayat al-Dunya, um, if uh, from divine justice is that if a person puts effort into something, then Allah will help him. Exactly. Even from an extra, extra, you know, um, uh, we wouldn't call it a karama, but an extra normal way, Allah will inspire them. He will help them. To them, it'll feel like a miracle. We say, yes, it is a miracle of the dunya. It's of the dunya. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, just on uh, that point, I think like. There is a danger in attributing too much sincerity to these people that are, um, you know, 
crying the end of the world over and over again. I mean, I, I think yeah, in oh, by yeah. since like the late '80s or the '90s, we knew that a lot of the predictions of the people that were saying that you know uh, overpopulation, yeah, overpopulation. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's related to energy and resources. That's only because of us in the West, because the amount of resources that we use yeah. are, is incomparable. Like, you know, one, you know, like divorcee in California is using up more energy in her six-room house than, uh, <laughs> than, like, a whole village in Bangladesh. Yeah, I heard yeah. statistics so, that are crazy, like, that we consume more than a thousand people in certain continents. Yeah. Like one individual will so, buy more stuff in his lifetime. And own more stuff than one thousand people in a certain gun. Chelsea so they know Soho. it's huh? it's not a. So what? I was like, Chelsea and Soho is, uh, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the spending more yeah. than spending more than a thousand. That's what it is. They know that like it's not an overpopulation problem. It's uh, a yeah. it's a uh, consumption problem. It's you yeah. know our unwillingness to change our lifestyles and um, the unwillingness of the people that are providing those lifestyle lifestyles to reduce the profits that they accrue from them. A little shift from this back to Isra and Mi'raj, that you know that the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, the superiority of the Prophet sallallahu is a clear deduction. There's not an explicit statement in the Quran saying that the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam is superior to any other other Prophet, but its other verses it's put so subtly, so that the regular person won't see it and you can have manners with the other Prophets. But when you read the Quran and compare certain verses, you will see the great superiority of the Prophet So for example, what is the big deal with the Mi'raj? That the Prophet saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. That's from Ibn Abbas. Sayyidah Aisha says, no, he didn't see Allah. Ibn Abbas says, yes, he did. Sayyidina Musa asked to see Allah. What happened when Sayyidina Musa asked to see Allah? He, he, Allah says, Undur ilal jabal. Look at the mountain. So Allah said, look at the mountain. And then when he manifested the mountain, Musa, he fainted. Completely fainted. What does Allah say about the Prophet's Mi'raj? At the Prophet ﷺ, when he went up to the heavens, not here in Sinai, to the heavens, and there was no mountain in between, there was no tajalli, it was direct witnessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says about the Messenger ﷺ, his gaze did not even flinch. So you don't need to say then superior when you describe the situation where you have Sayyidina Musa fainted. Okay, he fainted. And, yet, and, he and he had asked for it. He asked for it and he fainted. The Prophet ﷺ was asked for. He was asked for. He was brought up for the Mi'raj and his, his gaze did not even flinch. So uh, has any other Prophet been to Sidrat al-Muntaha? Even like something, something even reaching that, that, that stage, right? Um, is is you know the, I can't remember if any uh, Prophet Idris Prophet Idris died in the fourth heavens. Fourth heaven. Yeah. It was born on the back of the, of an angel to meet the angel of death in the fourth heaven. Yeah. And the angel of death, when he said to the other angel, "Where is Idris?" He's, and the angel said, "He's on my back." 
and the angel of death said, Subhanallah, Allah told me to meet. I was sent to meet him mm-hmm. in the fourth heaven, and I didn't know. What, I didn't know what that even meant because yeah. I'm supposed to take his, his soul on earth, but I guess I was supposed to take it here. How about uh, Sayyidina Musa salam said, "Rabb shrahli sadri, Oh Allah, uh, relieve my chest." Allah told the Prophet, "Alam nashrah laka sadrak. Have it we already, have it we already relieved your heart." How about Sayyidina Ibrahim? What did he say? Hasbunallah mm-hmm. wa wakil. He says that. What does Allah say to the Prophet? Hasbukallah. I'm enough for you. Whereas Sayyidina Ibrahim is asking for it, Allah is enough for me. He's reminding himself of it. Allah is telling the Prophet, I'm enough for you. So when we say he is Khairul Rusul and he is the most he is the greatest of the creation, is not by no evidence. And is not by the hadith only of Anna. Um, I'm the chief of Bani Adam and no, and I'm not boasting that's the hadith yes but the Quran itself if you compare the prayers of prophets and what Allah has given to the Messenger وسلم, that's where his superiority skyrockets above all other messengers and then if evidence of that is greater than the direct statements of the prophets the indirect demonstration the yeah. demonstrations of those things is far more impactful than a statement. Yeah, right? which is also you know another proof of his nubuwa because yeah. it's his characteristic is the modesty that he's he's not going to promote himself like yeah. that. So Allah did it for him. Subhanallah. That's why when they say that, for example, the Prophet Sallallahu heart was removed from his chest and placed into a bowl of snow, and that is the testimony that he gave, and the testimony that was given by the son of Halima Sadiya. Okay, and there were some others that saw. Yes, in from a distance, we saw two men putting Muhammad down and doing something. So, even in that time period, this is one of the proofs of his prophethood. For a thousand years after the the, the Messenger saw Islam, no one in humanity knew that if you take the heart out, you have to put it in ice. It happened twice, right? It happened twice. It happened twice. Yeah, but also, so so that's by itself a proof of Nabuwa. That hadith is a proof of Nabuwa because even when the hadith was documented by the muhaddithin there was no such knowledge that if you remove the heart from a person while they're alive, you have to put it in ice. Okay. Divine surgeons. Right? Yeah. So now, here's the other part of it. So now, that that, that transmission is accepted from us, uh, for us, then they took out the black spot that would have been where the shaitan whispers. This is going back to your point that demonstrations are greater than words. And it was thrown away. Okay, it's thrown in the, uh, on the ground. And so... Someone may ask, well, why not? Cre- why create the Prophet with that? Why not create the Prophet with a perfectly pure heart to begin with? Right? Without any avenue to... This is like the chip in your phone, right? That which at least whispers to you. This is removed. It's because when it's demonstrated that it's removed, you have more yaqeen than if you're merely told it's not there. That goes to your point about demonstrations are greater than just claims. Because if, if Allah had said it, we'd believe it. But these demonstrations are greater. So if the Prophet said, I was created without the black dot, we would believe it. But with a demonstration, it's a greater belief, stronger belief. I've also you know, heard from ulama, for example, the, the black dot that was on the heart of the Prophet ﷺ. This was actually, because the Prophet ﷺ was a mercy to you know, all of the universe. Mm-hmm. And so the, the black dot was actually the, the mercy that the Prophet ﷺ may have had for Iblis. Subhanallah. Right? And so what that was, sounds like what, a what proper was, Braille, we believe. What was, <laughs> what, what was removed? It's proper Sunni belief. Yeah. <laughs> what was removed yeah. was not, 
you know, any sort of defect. Oh, okay. Any sort of defect of yes, the Prophet yes, yes, But yes. rather, you know, the, the the mercy that he may have had for that's for, amazing. For really, shaitan. think we need to have readings of called the Yaz Shifa yeah. in America. Yeah. 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 yeah, really, we need to. We really like. Alhamdulillah, we're surrounded by Malikis. Yeah. One of the most <laughs> monumental, amazing works the Maliki gave to the Sunnah was the Shifa. No, it's so important. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah, and it's really Alhamdulillah translated to English. It to just like to learn about the khasa'is of the Prophet Sallallahu and his exclusivity yeah. and what makes him unique yeah. what makes him special yani, I really think this is just it's called shifa for a reason shifa bi tarif al-haquq al-mustafa the healing and knowing the rights of the messenger like in knowing the Prophet Sallallahu we're going to be healed mm-hmm. we're going to be cured of all our ailments we're going to be cured of our diseases so we really need to study these yeah, unique characteristics. Of that, the that's why I, I'm seconding that. That's why I'm going to push back. Like you know, I, I, I know you're, you were saying it in jest, yeah. like that it was a Bareilly belief. But like I mean, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people have this sort of like thing in their mind, right? That somehow it's not important for us to to interpret anything that that may be referred to or about the prophet in a manner that is befitting his majesty yeah. right and then that's that's really important and sometimes like that's why the the study of the shifa yeah. is really important no, of course. I'm, I'm actually curious you got me curious cuz i thought that it is actually in the hadith itself that said that was that is the had oh is that how they interpret it had the shaitan had the shaitan so they interpreted it as this was the mercy he would have had for iblis uh, I, oh, that's hear, how they I didn't it. hear that from a Bareilly, by the way. I, I, Who did you hear from? Sheikh Asra Rashid. No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't from a Daisy. Um, uh, uh, why? Why? I read it somewhere. Okay, go ahead. I'm gonna yeah, look it, it up. Matter. So one of one of the other clear signs that the Prophet ﷺ is the greatest of the NBA is the entire day of judgment revolves around him. A hundred percent. Right. hundred percent. So it's like the other prophets direct their followers to the Prophet ﷺ. Yes. Allah forgives the mu'mineen upon the, the, the dua and the intercession of the Prophet The sirat appears under his foot. SubhanAllah. And something you mentioned earlier, the gates of heaven are closed until, except for, for the Prophet. He knocks on the door, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and the angel that's been guarding that door since the beginning of time, Ridwan, and has been seated that whole time, says, who, I mean, who is it? And the Prophet says, Muhammad. And he stands up for the first time since he was created. In honor of the Prophet. And and gives him the key to open. Also, when Sayyidina Jibreel introduced the Prophet to Sayyidina Malik, the gatekeeper of the hellfire. And the Prophet asked Sayyidina Jibreel, why does a Malik smile? And he says, Malik has not smiled since the day Allah created Jahannam. SubhanAllah. But he says, if he was to smile for anyone, he would have smiled for you. SubhanAllah. Ajeeb. If he was to smile for anyone, on because, of, on, on because of anyone, it would have been for you. SubhanAllah. That's another indication, like you said, of him being the best of creation, yeah. being the most honored of creation. Uh, uh, Habib Omar says that uh, if you don't like the Mawlid and how we have all these celebrations... For the Prophet, then you're really not going to like Yom Al Qiyamah. Because it's all revolving around the Messenger, peace be upon Lua ul Hamd is with the Prophet. The only safety on the Day of Judgment, when everyone's bad deeds are flying around in the forms of creations, right? 
and and and, uh, and chasing the people, etc. The only safety is with the messenger. So I said, Shfa begins with the messenger. Heaven, the, the fountain is for the messenger. He owns it now. It's kothar is given to him. In al transfer that Allah has given him the ownership of it. Right? It's his. It's a gift that Allah gave to the Prophet. So I said, Paradise was not going to be given to anybody, open for anyone except the Prophet. So I said, Don't tell people that have resistance to this. Make julus in their salat. The whole tashahud is the whole tashahud is for the Prophet. Yeah. So I said, and the tashahud is the words of the Prophet sallam, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the mi'raj. And then that's the, Allah's reply is Assalamu alaykum And the Prophet's reply to that is Assalamu That means Allah gave him special salam. And what does he do with that salam? Spreads it to all of us. So he says, we take it for us and for the Ibadullah Salahin. You know, one of the one of the things that some Muslims I've seen, they have like this sort of gut reaction, yeah. negative reaction, when when I when I say we should venerate the Prophet, right? So they have this gut reaction. But this is a this is an ayah in the Quran. Uh-huh. It's a surah Fat, right? Uh, Tuaziruhu wa tuakiruhu. So by veneration, we're not doing anything that the Prophet did not command us or Allah did not command us. Allah SWT himself commands us mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah. And Speaking on this Burlby belief thing, right? There's one belief that when I mention it, people just completely, they, you know, their brains shut down. But it's absolutely true. And that is that the entirety of creation was created for the Prophet. The goal of all of creation is to produce the Prophet. And, you know, people are like, how, how can I believe this? This is, yeah. uh, everything else is useless? The issue. If I ask you, like, what is the point of existence, right? How how would we answer this, like, objectively, not not in respect to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, but what is the whole point of existence? The whole point of existence is to manifest Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's attributes, uh, beautiful attributes, and have them be appreciated. Mm. And which creation of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is the greatest reflection of all of His attributes? Yeah, it's so it's not a galaxy, right? It's not a star mm-hmm. somewhere. It's not some alien somewhere. It's the Prophet. Yes, yeah. So he's the greatest creation. So in that sense, the final end of all of existence is actually so the Prophet. And he's that North Star that everybody, you know, tries to imitate in perfection. So there's nothing, you know, there's nothing deviant or unsettling or weird about this belief. It, it fits perfectly into how about uh, we uh, saying that our, you know, if ibadah is the purpose of our creation, who perfected it? Exactly. Right. Right. Here's the hadith on Anas ibn Malik, narrated by Ahmad Muslim in Nisa'i. And the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Atahu Jibreel wa huwa yalab ma'al ghulman. Al ghilman. The Sayyidina Jibreel came while he was playing with the ghilman, the, the other boys. Fa'akhadahu fasara'ahu. He took him and put him down. Fashakka an qalbihi. He opened his heart. Fastakhraja al qalba. Fastakhraja minhu alaqatan. A piece of flesh. He took a small piece of flesh out of it. فَقَالَ هَذَا حَظُّ الشَّيْطَانِ مِنْكَ This is the portion of shaitan from you, right? Or uh, the portion of shaitan. Uh, I don't know what preposition to put there. Okay. ثُمَّ غَسَلَهُ فِي طِسْتٍ مِنْ ذَهَبٍ بِمَاءِ زَمْزَمْ In a, uh, a, bowl of, a golden bowl with the water of zamzam. ثُمَّ لَأَمَهُ Then he patched him up. ثُمَّ أَعَادَهُ فِي مَكَانِهِ Then he lifted him up. 
وجاء الغلمان يسعون إلى أمه running to حليمة أمه meaning حليمة سعودية يعني فقالوا إن محمدا قد قتل محمد is dead right he's been killed فاستقبلوه then they went to him وهو منتقع اللون and he was pale in his face قال أنس قد كنت أرى أثر المخيط في صدره he says then I used to see the uh, the traces of that in his chest. So the line here, هَذَا حَظُّ الشَّيْطَانِ mink. So I'm going to go into Sahih Muslim right now. You guys talk. I'm going to go into Sahih Muslim by Imam al-Nawi's Sharh and see what it says. I'm going to go in and see what it says. Why are you I'm looking that up? I'm not challenging you. I wanted to believe. I could be wrong. I mean, no, I could be wrong. I'm not I'm challenging not. you. I'm just curious. Now that you made me curious, it could 100% be what you're saying. Well, Shishad, he's looking that up. I, I have the uh, the ultimate personal proof yep. for the for the Miraj, mm. which is that I had a dream. It's the only dream that's even close. I had a dream where I saw his sallallahu alayhi wa his foot, his ankle, and part of his leg, and the side of the burak. Subhanallah, man. So for me, it's a cause. Also, the, the hadith says that Sayyidina Jibreel, when Burak was getting nervous or, you know, antsy, mm-hmm. Jibreel told him, you know, basically, are you acting like this in front of Muhammad? He said, no one is, no one better than him has ever ridden you or is mm-hmm. going to ride you. So if you think about it, Islam al-Miraj is just showing the, the great rank of the Prophet and his excellence and the fact that he's the best of creation. And he, he is, Burak is the horse for all prophets. Yeah, the prophets right. would use al-Burak. Yes. They say Sayyidina Ibrahim would use al-Burak mm-hmm. between visiting Sayyidina Ismail and Sayyidina uh, Ishaq. Oh, really? I didn't know that. To travel the distance. Can we point out... If you think about Sayyidina Ishaq, yeah. he's in. It makes sense. I mean, that makes Sayyidina sense Ismail now that you said it. Like, I mean, I yeah, never so the same, that. you could think... So just as his grandfather used the Burak, وسلم, his ancestor Sayyidina Ibrahim, the Prophet also used Burak to go through those two locations. Wow, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's like the it's like the, the DC corridor Amtrak, right? It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fixed route, right? Not to not to be facetious, but it's like a, so this was this was his normal route to travel with prophets. Right, right, right. By the way, it should be pointed out that this is not a Pegasus with wings. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, they say they make fun of us. They say a horse with wings. If what if it had wings? It could have had wings. Sure, but right? it didn't. It but didn't it have wings. But is it mention the hadith? That no, there's it no mention in Islam it, that it has wings. It mentions it's uh, the sizes between a horse and a mule, and that it's 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 stride mm-hmm. is the gaze of the horizon. So, that's what we have. Yeah. If somebody has something else, then but that's what we have from the Prophet You know, some guy recently, um, not recently, like several years ago, I, I saw an article. This one Islamic studies scholar, he gave a theory that. The Prophet could have been a person from the future, right? Oh, who who okay. knew who knew the technologies of time travel and everything oh, no, like this. So, so I'm just like. So they want to believe that. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> actually harder to believe. Exactly. You've actually made it more difficult. Yeah. This is like all, all of the non-religious beliefs are harder to believe. They're more. Dude, this is like the the guys who believe that we live in a simulation, right? Like, mm-hmm. right. like that's way harder to believe. By the way, this is the only reason that I brought up that dream. Because the fact that people throughout the history of Islam have had dreams about the Prophet ﷺ obviates all of the logical, scientific explanations that people come up with stuff. Because how do you do that? How does that happen? How do you produce, how do you induce dreams in people? Consistent, that are consistent across the board, how they happen, when they happen, to whom they happen, etc. That's one of the things the, uh, the, the psychiatrists, the atheist psychiatrists, they have a really hard time 
believe in this, uh, with this theory. Like the, the reality that people see dreams, A, that are similar across the world, or they see dreams of what's going to happen in the future, right? They say all dreams, according to Freud, is something from within yourself. Self-created, right? Okay, what about something of the future? Where is that creation coming from? And someone sees it, and, and but dreams are not limited to believers. Non-Muslim can have a dream of the future. The king in the time of Surat Yusuf, yeah. right? Fir'aun himself, right? He saw a dream of the future. They also say that Murad had a dream that a fire was coming from Palestine to destroy his kingdom. SubhanAllah. So, so they have a big problem with that. The discovery of the double helix. Yeah, came in a dream, right? Came in a dream. Right. So, so a rocket fuel, too. Oh, right, uh, Jack Parsons, right? And he said that a person named... Uh, that guy was Billy. a Satanist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he said some guy named Belly of the Jail came yeah, to yeah. him. The belly of the Jail? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. his name? Uh, Jack, Jack Parsons. Parsons. Yeah. So this, here it is. Okay, I went to Qadi Ayyad. Sharh of Muslim by Qadi Ayyad. He says... What did I do? Where is it? He says here... Mm, he doesn't go into the actual meaning of Had al-Shaytan, but he says, Dalil bayin, a clear evidence, on the isma of the Prophet. The Shaytan cannot whisper to him. Shaytan. Shaytan cannot whisper to the Prophet. That it will never happen that shaitan will come to the Prophet. It's impossible. That not in any of his affairs, not to his body, not to his certainty in, in Allah, and not to his knowledge. Okay. Now he says, he goes in and he looks at all the verses which would indicate. That, that mentions in the Quran that if the shaitan comes to you and he says no they not have they have nothing to do with the Prophet. Okay, they may talk about the human being in general. Okay, not the human not so for example, if shaitan whispers or uh, attacks you with an attack, it, it is permissible to think that that's for the Prophet, right? It's not for the Prophet. It's for the human in general. Okay. Uh, now, why else is this important? Because I actually talked to them about, in the khutbah about this, right? Because there are some people who pr- transmit this belief of the satanic verses. That the Prophet ﷺ, that Iblis came in and threw in a couple rhyming words with Surah Al-Najm. Okay? And that the Prophet ﷺ talked about Al-Gharaniq Al-Ula, which is the verse is, which is the famous story that those verses were thrown in there by Iblis and that the Prophet says in Surah Al-Najm which is that the idols are like the intercessors of Allah okay their intercessors intercession should be desired therefore when that was recited the Meccans rejoiced and they said we have peace 
we worship Allah and the idols are intercessors. And that rumor spread all the way to East Africa where they had made the hijrah and they all came back for that reason. So again, that when people make a lie up about the Prophet then Allah causes them to trip up on themselves. Okay? Because they made up that lie and they said it was about Surah Al-Najm. Okay? Surah Al-Najm itself says about the Prophet, مَا ضَلَّ صَاحِبُكُمُ مَا غَوَى وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَى إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ Your companion has not made a mistake. مَا ضَلَّ صَاحِبُكُمُ مَا غَوَى And he does not speak except with wahi. Right? Which one is correct. So even when they made up a lie about the Prophet ﷺ, they made it up in the wrong surah. Because the surah itself belies them. After the time of the Prophet. Oh, the, the, the lie was made up after the Prophet. Mm. After the time of the Prophet. It only comes with one narration from Waqidi. I don't know, I'm s I don't know if Waqidi says it's a fabrication, so not to blame him, right? But it comes in from that. And I took an Islamic studies course, and this shows you the hypocrisy of the Munafiqeen. We spent half the course on this. <laughs> right? <laughs> we spent half the and, and none of the clarifications came up. And you, you know that you never hear someone say to you an ayah and say, read the rest of the ayah. Read the rest of the ayah. <laughs> right? Read the rest of the, 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 the surah. Your companion had never made a mistake or gone astray. And he does not speak except with wahi from Allah. In the book, it's, it's considered a post-colonial classic now. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like part of the canon. You have to read it. Yeah, and and I, I, even even some kids and some people were going through a phase of being soft and liberal and stuff, and they said, "Well, yes, it's wrong, but Ayatollah Khomeini, you know, uh, he shouldn't have said that uh, we put a, a bounty on his head because it makes the Muslims look bad." I was sitting, and my dad said, "Did he write another book like that? Right? <laughs> right? It got the job done, didn't it?" And it's true. His Sa next book was about butterflies. <laughs> Salman Rushdie, Rushdie is one of the most uh, objective proofs of Firasa that I've ever seen. Like, just look at him. Oh, yeah. Nobody that looks at him, on. he looks like an Iblis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what... Say, what except, to the, except to the... I don't know how the non-believers see him because they love this guy. So maybe they see like they're, Noor they're in really him. Like too, they see the dark light. <laughs> yeah. He looks like a sellout. Yeah. You're attracted to what you... Uh, your reality is, I guess. Yeah. His, his dad, when he was young, uh, he would take him to the masjid and then during prayer time, and he would say, son, look at these people. We will never be like these people. Mm. And then he would go back home and eat a ham sandwich. Shia Aslan anyway, right? So, Isn't he Shia Aslan? Raised on Kufur. Yep. So it's not even a right belief in the first place. Is he still alive? Uh, he's on the Al-Qaeda hit list, according to this. Failed assassination attempt. Hezbollah comments on him <laughs> but then he's given a knighthood by england yeah. okay let's look at his novels okay <laughs> i want to see satanic verses okay he wrote the satanic verses and then he wrote i'm, I'm telling you there's something that is about his, his first one was uh didn't he want a nobel prize or no he didn't want to no no no, 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 no. Give it a nobel prize. 88 1995 so he didn't write a book for seven years and he wrote the moors Last side. No one bought it. Okay, <laughs> the sales were a disaster, and it was about the Moorish Kingdom of Granada. Okay, why are you stealing our history since you hate us so much, right? <laughs> All these ex-Muslims—they're obsessed with. They're obsessed. Islam. With, they're obsessed with. The character is Boabdil, which is Abu Abdullah. Abu Abdullah, yeah. right? Abu Abdullah. Okay, and it's about a narrator and an artist, and they're making a painting, 
called The Moor's Last Sigh, and the book is about how they make a painting, blah, 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 blah. Nonsense, <laughs> right? Nobody bought the book, okay? Trump style. He's a complete yeah. failure, right? This is, this is like, yeah. reminds me, of, I don't know, was it your post where you posted something about mushriks and one of the commenters were like, oh, we shouldn't make fun of the mushriks <laughs> or something? Why are you guys sympathize? I have a guy on my Facebook page. He's sim- his sympathies are always on the wrong side. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> he's always, he's always that guy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so I love you can't you can't reason with him. It's just like no. The and the, the vegan no, the vegan posts were were great. Which ones? The ve- oh <laughs> the vegans. How about that? How about that one with that lamb right on Eid right? And it was a it was a full lamb on a on a plate of rice. It was gorgeous, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So some of some of our friends, some of our friends were. Uh, I was uh, on a Zoom call with them recently, and they were like, "Why is Doctor Shetty just triggering, just putting out stuff to trigger people?" <laughs> and I was like, "What are you talking about?" He was like, "He just put a like a like a deer getting eaten oh, by yeah, a bunch yeah. of hyenas for no reason." I was like, "No, no, no, that's subsequent to the other post where the deer is in the hospital, <laughs> surrounded by family." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Gently, yeah. Yes. A lot of but things you know, are- actually, what's uh, I really think um, there, there's this guy I've seen him on Facebook. He'll actually like he's just one of these really, really vegan guys who will basically like there's no legal to him. There's no ethical way of eating an animal. Okay. And he'll go up to Christians. He'll go up to Muslims, and he'll just like I saw he went he went up to Muslims, and he was basically saying like uh, he was basically saying like Did your prophet say it was you have to eat meat? Like he'll. He'll try to use these arguments, right, to try and make you feel like okay, like lend towards what he's saying. Um, I really th- and I really think so. I really think we need to kind of build if you're for in a castle, mm-hmm. build that wall and work on these things because now you have vegans trying to attack us uh, and trying Alex, to justify. Alex has also a two minute clip where he just destroyed vegans. Yeah. I want to see the You guys can go check that out. To attack us now. I think this, these are like on the bottom of the list. By the way, <laughs> no, they're on the bottom of the list, but you have Muslims being affected no. by it. So you have like I've seen like Muslims saying like. Oh, you know, we, we don't have to do qurbani. It's not fard. Oh, well, we shouldn't be gosh. eating them. Leave them alone. Uh, there, there's literally, like, I've seen, like... On, there's like, the same boycott the hajj because of MBS is so bad. Yeah, right? it, it's, it's like... <laughs> and I've seen, I, I've seen, like, I don't know, kind of like... I'm not saying you have to eat meat. I'm not saying yeah. it's fard. But when there's, like, a growing trend of veganism amongst Muslims, yeah. isn't that a little bit suspicious? I'll tell you, this is a Western kufran and ni'ma. You are lucky you weren't born in your father's country. Where you would die to have some food, you would yeah. you would save up money to buy some food. By the way, Ahmed Naim was on that call and he made a good point, which yeah. was objectively the very best thing that can happen to an animal is that it's useful to humans. Did, didn't I Subhanallah say that uh, isn't uh, halal zabiha better than this? Yeah, because it was the wild yeah. dogs and the hyenas. I think was wild dogs yeah. eating it alive. Yeah, so I started said, from the stomach. Yeah, yeah why are you ve- ve- vegetarians making us feel guilty? He'd much rather be slaughtered. He halal. <laughs> I know that's true. The funniest comment yeah, I ever read on veganism yeah. that made me—I couldn't stop laughing for like—they were like, "If veganism is so great, why are you trying to make everything taste like meat?" That's true. Like, that's like, like true. you're trying to make like burgers, oh, vegan burgers. chicken nuggets, yeah. vegan Impo- burgers, vegan exactly. hot dogs, vegan sauce. Like, uh, why are you trying burgers. to make it taste like meat if it's so great? To me, we have the yeah. same problem though because we try to make everything taste like pork. We have like halal versions of pastrami and salami, yes. and yeah, I mean it's like if if it's halal, then why are you trying to imitate? I mean, like what? it's a little bit of Israeli to I, me. I, mean, I heard I heard uh, this one scholar, I forget who it was. He said one of the wisdoms. I don't, this is completely made up, probably. 
one of the wisdoms that Allah prohibited pork is because it tastes so good that it's one of the things that's reserved for Jannah. No. Uh, what? There's no pigs in paradise. <laughs> By the way, the pork that... That is a non-Brailvi, nonsensical belief. <laughs> <laughs> are innocent The Brailvi doesn't approve the, of that. The, yeah. Almost all of the pork that people say tastes so amazing is the stuff that's cured. So it's just cured meats are good, yeah, right? Because they're full of salt and nitrites and fat. And that, that stuff I, is tasty. It's not the meat itself. It's not it's the actual animal itself. Same thing with a ham, for example. The word ham does not mean pig. It's the curing. So turkey ham is the same taste because it's same curing the same the same way they made it like we have the south brunswick facebook page these people south brunswick is basically uh white middle uh, white uh, blue collar whites versus the rising rich indians yeah gorilla gents injured in a gang fight but if you look at their facebook that's what I it's all I about i didn't understand that joke like what, what oh okay so i sent you the clip Oh, that one. I that's know. because of that story. Yeah. That's an interesting gin story. Yeah. So this guy, the, the, these guys are always uh, beefing back and forth on the South Brunswick community Facebook page. The Daisies and the... Daisies. They got so upset when one of the bagel joints in North Brunswick that we don't even know about. Apparently people go to this place. It became Hadad. <laughs> so the ham has been oh, replaced with turkey guy, ham. Yeah. Right? Now they went there. They got upset. But they had eaten it and not even realized. <laughs> right? Only when they got told it's halal and it's turkey ham, they got all upset. Yeah. That's so backwards. Because we're the ones that would be doing that. I know. <laughs> like, when we realize that something's not halal. Yeah, that we would exactly. Yeah, what are you losing if it's halal? Like for them. I it's wonder just, in their mentality. healthier meat. That's like, what you get. Yeah. You get healthier meat. Turkey's got more protein. <laughs> it's 9-11 meat. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. That's what they call it. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? Covered, I have a, uh, most of it, I think uh, what I want to mention about Al-Sahab uh, Al-Miraj mm-hmm. The most interesting thing is uh, When you look at what the Prophet Sallallahu saw uh, What we call Alim Al-Mithal mm. Speak in, about that In that you have physical actions That take metaphysical forms Because mm. we, be- we as Muslims believe in the ghaib and the unseen right? Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala praises the believers In the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah right? That they believe in the ghaib Right? So we're actually praised for believing that there's things beyond what our senses can actually are, are, are picking up. There's actually more. And I found it interesting how we have this, like Muslims, we act like this. Why? When we say, for example, we recite Surah Al Kaf on a Friday because it says there'll be a light with you mm-hmm. until the next Jummah, right? Yeah. We don't see that light, but it'll be there. So I find it interesting, like when you look at Isra al Miraj. That the Prophet was told, was, Sayyidina Jibreel was telling him that when the Prophet was asked, What is this? when he would see this, this, uh, this example taking place, taking a physical form, he would tell them, This is this particular action, this is this particular statement. The dunya came in the form of an old woman wearing jewelry. Um, the, the, a bull came out of a small hole, not able to go back in. Sayyidina Jibreel said, This is like the example of a word you can't take back. Um, so I, I, re- I find it really interesting that we have. Uh, metaphysical, you know, forms that come out of our deeds, and yeah. we're just not aware of them, but they're there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it is, and that's what the Maharaj is all about. Yeah, is about studying those things. Just my we didn't go over them today. Next podcast, we can still still be read up and try. I mean, so go ahead. So my 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 last thing is the thing <laughs> that the, that this closes on is Abu Bakr's reaction, mm-hmm. which was not 
oh, this is some kind of miraculous thing, or listen, Allah can, uh, you know, suspend <coughs> physical laws. Rather, he said, well, what's the source? That's it. <coughs> Subhanallah. And, and, and another Subhanallah. interesting part about the Mi'raj is the, the things that occurred, for example, on the Mi'raj, and I don't want this to be a, a, a summary, a, a summation of it, but for example, the, the idea that we received, the Prophet ﷺ received prayers, right? That, that are five daily prayers, which are actually an embodiment of this combination of the physical and the metaphysical, right? And, and, and because there's like a dahid and a batin to the prayer as well, right? Which is, that it, it connects you to the spiritual mm-hmm. realm. And, and it's really interesting because what, I think the entire study of the Isra wal Mi'raj is, is a great study for the modern person, really, because it really forces you to get out of this like naturalist thinking that you know certain things will happen because you know I mm-hmm. did certain things, or and and it really pulls you back from that, right? And that, that's why Salah is called Mi'rajul Mu'min, because it was given to us in the Mi'raj, and it's you your Mi'raj with your heart, and uh, the. Mi'raj and the Salah, commandments of Salah, is also what forces us to the Sunnah and Hadith, because the obligation of Salah comes there, and the method of how to pray is not in the Quran, right? Nor is the commandment, the explicit commandment to pray five times a day, is from the Sunnah. It's from the Ma'lumin bil Darura, right? Allah commands Salah, but the details are all outside of the Quran. How did the hadith rejecting people? They, they make dua. That's it. <laughs> they, they make it. They make it up, man. They don't. They just, so they they don't just pray. do. They just do. They do different things. How come they like go to Eid though? Huh? What do you mean? <laughs> like how come they celebrate Eid? They don't. Oh. they don't celebrate Eid. They don't. They don't celebrate Eid. Oh no, they don't. Innovation. That's so. That's one. Once a guy said, "I said, how do you celebrate Eid?" He said, "We don't." Right. So I said, "Okay." <laughs> they want to do that. Yeah. They want to reject hadith so that they don't have to do the actions. Yeah. It's not because like exactly. it doesn't come first the belief. First comes a desire not to do the actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the best way to justify that is by saying I'm only going to do what's in the Quran. Exactly. I know people. A hundred percent. And that's why. Yeah. So so I that so when he told me that I said okay great that's all I, that's I never need to study you guys again because <laughs> next time a little kid comes up I said beware the Quranis. They don't celebrate Eid. <laughs> right? <laughs> what kind of religion is that? He will never right? ever go near them. He'll never come near them, right? <laughs> and, and, and once every one of my kids reaches the age of like eight or nine, I show them glass bottle on the head guy. Right? <laughs> Do you remember this guy? Oh, man, I got to show you this guy. This is, uh, that when they ask me, well, what is the Shias, right? So uh, <laughs> I said, okay, here we go. Here we go. Because this happens every time a kid is nine or ten and he hears you what got, it you is. I have a video for every deviant. I have a video for every deviant. I have a tenzin PDFs, right? And save I save this video. And every time, because it's happened. It happened with Ayub. He'll never come near Shays, right? And then it happened with Jannah. And this year, and it'll happen with the next kid and the next kid and the next kid. And I just showed them the video. I got it saved. Right, I have so many pictures here, but I got it saved. I'm ready to go. Okay, it says you want to know what it is. This is what it is. So it's just like a, it, you haven't so seen you have this. this. this oh so my good. gosh, you have to see this. I thought all of you saw it. No, this is one of those things you have to. I mean, to I've see. seen some pretty crazy shit. No, no, no. I'll show you this one. I'll no, show you this is not the super crazy ones, but it's it's so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Bismillah. Allahumma salli wa sallim. Muhammad. 
This is not like one of the real, real wild ones where they're dragging themselves across the here. <laughs> look, <laughs> just look. All right, somebody, somebody get a give an audio narration of this. Just as, look as it kind of goes on. Kareem, you seen this one before? Cool. It's a, yeah, cool. There he goes. There he goes. There it is. There it is. Okay. So, so the audio. The the audio. Who has a glass bottle? San San Pellegrino or something? Somebody describe it to me. Okay. So the audio narration. This guy is, you know, really can just be described as he he smashes a bottle over his head. There's really for no apparent reason. Straight to the climax. Straight to the climax. So she uh Class. That's it. Bottle smashing head guy. Yes, that's, that's it. Yeah, look that up. You'll find it. You know? <laughs> we need we need a deviant video for each group published on I the, have it all you know? oh, published, huh? For the for, for your kids? For your yeah. kids. Yeah. All you need is a playlist. It's like yes. it's like you need for your kids. You need to explain yeah. Qadianis. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> and here it is. Thing is, when I show them Shiyukh, they love them. Right? Murabat Ahmad Fad. Right? They look at Nazim al Haqqani big picture of turban and beard, right? Okay, uh, watch the videos at limited amounts, though. But, <laughs> <laughs> secretly, secretly, you can watch them all secretly, right? They look at pictures, videos of Habib Omar. They see the different Habib. They just look at the different Mashaykh. They love them. Like they look handsome. They look handsome in a sense of like regal. This is heavenly. That's a religious figure, right? So I, I stick, still stick with my thesis. Allah has made. Deviance in religion <laughs> to, to something on their appearance makes you not want to be like them. 100%, of course. Okay? 100%. Simple, in, let's take outside of religion so we can all agree. In Christianity, not allowed to marry. Halas, not going to do it. El Yahud, too many rules. Way too many rules. Jains, can't wear clothes. <laughs> True or false? It's true. The priest is you want religion or clothes? <laughs> okay. Hindus can't wear meat. Bathing in poop. I saved that one too. I got that one saved too. Oh, that's that's, okay. that's R-rated. Right? <laughs> Bathing in poop. Okay. And, and within our religion, same thing. Extremists blowing themselves up on one and one case. Okay. The ISIS and everything. And then you have those those others. I'm not going to say it again because they got upset with me, right? But but uh, but I still stick to my thesis. Al Bida. It reflects badly on you, right? Somehow, some way, it's going to make you look a little bit away from the fitra. And there's no nur on your face. Okay? Somebody can have nur in their face. Yes. And it's mentally possible they can also have darkness on their face. Thank you very much. Right? right? Nur comes from correct belief, actions, yes. statements. And you're gonna, if you do the opposite, you're not going to have nur. You're going to have the opposite of nur, which is... And how about, how about let's look at sinners, too. Sinners from the common Muslims. Look how sinners, when they get old, they get cranky. They can't stand anybody, right? And look at mu'mineen, salihin, when they get old, they become softer, they become more, uh, uh, they, there's more meaning in their life. Their ibad is actually, now it's giving them a lot of fruits, right? So this is the, 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 the fast route. So the fast route, because logic it takes a long time, argumentation takes a long time, what are the proofs takes a long time, but when you give a quick demonstration, this is what they do, Right? I mean, you you can, in some cases, you really can judge a book by its cover. Yeah. 
Allah, if you, the hadith says, uh, the Prophet mentioned that Allah did not send any prophet except that he had a beautiful face. Thank you. And a beautiful voice. There's a reason. And your prophet has the best face and the be most beautiful face and yeah. the most beautiful voice. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of his wisdom, created the prophets in such a way that it would attract people. Thank you. So you can't tell me that there is a wisdom in, in uh, physical you know, beauty yeah. being a, a factor in who you are. Uh -huh. okay, now, okay, we're not saying that, oh, you're beautiful, you must be pious. No. But there is something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does create in the physicality of a person that indicates there's something acceptable to him mm -hmm. with that person. Or there, in, there is something that uh, that person has that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, rewarded for. You can't deny it. First of all, we're also saying that this is a nur. Yeah. It is, we're not making fun of the khilqa of anybody. The khilqa no. is the way they're created. We, we, you could never ask haram. But this is, we're talking about nur. For yeah. example, uh, the, 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 the Christians, no one told them to innovate the monasticism like this. The Yahud, no one told you to make up all these laws. This is not from Allah. For, let's say, the Shia, you hitting yourself is not from the Sharia. Show me one evidence for that, right? Okay, so these are things that you all did. Yeah. Okay, you all did that. You have to accept the consequences. Exactly. Yeah. When, when one Sheb, Sheb, just a youth, he asked me, what is the ruling of someone who says these bad things about Sayyidah Aish? I said, oh, I should get a beating. So he says, but they already beat themselves. <laughs> I said, you said it. You said, I didn't even think of it. I didn't even think of it. You said it. Allah give him the punishment in this life. Right away. On the spot. Subhanallah. Right. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let us live and die in Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And without making fun of anyone's khilqa. And may Allah guide all these sects to Al-Haq. We don't want something bad to happen to them. Right. May Allah guide all these groups to Al-Haq. And to the truth, and guide us to haq. And if we're uh, mistaken, and if our hearts are not right in what pleases Allah, then we ask Allah to rectify it and forgive Amin. us our sins. Amin. Any closing statements, anyone? No, I think. Uh, good. I'll, I'll say yes. something. I, I meant to say this a little bit before. Um, the timing of the Isra and Mi'raj in the Sirah is so significant because it comes right after uh, the year of sadness. Mm. So important. And it also comes after that da'a he made in Salah made in uh, Ta'if. SubhanAllah. Right? Um, basically, all of the, let's say the, the, the planning, right? all of the strategy of the Prophet it basically, it did not bear any type of fruit. Right? Ta'if, they didn't accept Islam. Um, the protection that the Prophet had in Mecca was gone. Um, a lot of the Muslims left uh, you know, to Hijrah. And it was, he's basically alone at that point. Mm -hmm. And his wife, beloved wife, Khadija Rodilan, also died. His uncle died. And at that point, if we looked at it you know, from a historical analysis, like let's say that you were there and you were, let's say, reporting, like on CNN, you know, what would be the future of this person? Mm. Everybody would come to the conclusion that, okay, this is the end of Islam. Yet, in, in that situation... That's when the Isra happens. Mm -hmm. Like when it's most impossible, when things are most hopeless, that's when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes the Prophet and shows him the heavens. So it's, and after that, what happens? The, the Hijrah happens. Right? And all the success happens. And exactly. All the success happens and and it, it's, so, it's so significant um, that sometimes, uh, I guess the lesson is that sometimes in the most difficult circumstances, that's when the Fatih comes. Mm -hmm. That's when the opening comes. 
Yeah, so, so uh, you know, that's uh, in relation to your point earlier about the importance of the utility for the story of the Mi'raj and the Isra for people today. Um, I think that this coming now after we see this uh, great sigh modernity has let loose after COVID and kind of the long period of um, just of, of being shackled to the nine to fives, the daily lives that they that they live. You know, people want to believe in the phantasmagorical and the fantastic. They, mm-hmm. you know, especially having been so manacled to mundanity as they have been for the past hundred years, they just want. They just. We just need to give them that Modern, Yeah, modernity is only good when everyone's rich. As soon as, and atheism is fine when everyone's rich. As soon as people go poor, they all go to fantastical thinking, magical thinking, crystals, astrology, Egyptology, all sorts of numerology, all sorts of shortcuts to success. A belief, a quick fix to success, right? Because they don't have it anymore. In the old days, you would have prayed to God and got your act together and asked for a risk, right? Well, they took God away from you, oh modern man, right? So what does he have now? That's why shirk is on the on the way back, and shirk and superstition is on the way back. And and, that, and that's why, like you know, when I think I've heard a few people say you said it as well, like the, the what happened with with COVID in this last two three years. Society was separated. Everyone was alone. Everyone was kind of put away from each other. They have people have this existential angst that yeah. they've kind of held. And and COVID came and, and it really it it bec- for some people whether it's the left or the right it became sort of this like religion, right? It gave it it gave people symbols. It gave people the masks, the vaccines, the tribes. The it, it tribe, gave them yeah. a messenger like Fauci. Guidance. Like it gave them yeah. guidance, right? And it told them what is right and what is wrong. And, and yeah. it gave them you know things of truth to hold on to yeah. right and it filled like this spiritual void for people whether whether it's on the left or the right like so, that's why they're keeping it going and what do that, do people, some, some people yeah. don't want it to end no they don't want it to end right and it's like what for example do? for example there, there's people <clears throat> uh who don't want the masks and the vaccines to end at all yep. and then even on the other <laughs> side they're, they're, like for example they enjoy the fear but but then on Stuff the on, on the flip mode. side yeah. on the flip side what's interesting is there's also people who enjoy the doom right like for example the 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 vaccine mandates and the passports although like you know I do believe that from like a totalitarian perspective and like you know the the way that the technocracy is going like it's it's a really bad idea to have vaccine mandates and passports and stuff but then there's some people that are just completely obsessed with it like this is going to be it like it's a wrap for us all like you know like but it, it's not you know like it's it's uh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who creates and 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 sustains this world and he can he can change whatever situation he wants whether vaccine mandates come or no mandates or there's a passport like it doesn't matter you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do any of these things and you said that uh the covid situation really it it pulled the you know the sheets off a lot of people's like iman well i think the most important aspect of that is what people did in all their solitude oh yeah that's the that is one of the biggest things that you either you would have accelerated to the good or accelerated to the bad. I think you took shahada at that time. Ryan took shahada at that time. Mashallah. Right? Uh, uh, we know a brother who learned to read the Quran without a teacher. 
just from the internet. And they would listen to a verse, like listen to a line, and then look at the words. So he said, can you teach me the Quran? I started teaching him. I said, you read well. He said, yeah, but I don't know what the letters are. Right? So he knew how to read, but he didn't know that that's called ba, that's called seen, that's called meme. He would just listen to Quran hours a day, hours and hours and hours, and there's nothing else to do. Hours a day, listen to the Quran, look at the words. And he realized, okay, that's Bismillah ar-Rahman. That, wor- that word, this, this image, this shape, he doesn't know where the letter begins and ends. I said, this is actually a miracle, to be honest with you. <laughs> It is. This it is. is. This is. So yeah. yeah. This is almost to me. Yeah. I've never seen anything. This is almost like uh, there should be a report done on you, a study, that's, because that's he just looked at the letters. That's how you learned too. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. A little bit. I, I, I also used the the transliteration, but like I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't have any teaching or anything. Yeah. Just straight. And I, and I had to learn the letters later. Yeah. A lot of people transformed for the good, and a lot of people stayed away from the masjid, and and I don't know if they came back. I, I, I know a guy, unfortunately, like he still won't come to Juma because he's like COVID. That's ridiculous. He's like he's like <laughs> thirty five years old. The scariest like, thing, the scariest <laughs> thing is what happened to the Haramain. That yeah, how empty yeah. they are and how they have rules now. I hate these rules. They have rules. You can't make Omrah except once. Why? You, you can't make Tawaf. No, no, you can't make Tawaf unless you're making Omrah. Sorry, that's the rule. You can't make Tawaf unless you're making Omrah. Okay, so the people now lie. They go and they put uh, tawaf clothes on, right? Uh, to go make tawaf. Because tawaf is the best ibadah in the Kaaba, right? And when you're in no, Mecca, you can make it, but you got to do the second floor. Three mile long I don't want to go to the second floor. I want to be with the Kaaba, right? So they make you go to the second They created rules. Meanwhile, they're having concerts like Monafics. But now all these people, are the, they're lying, which is fine. I think that's fine. Lying. That's fine. You're not lying. You're just wearing the ihram clothes. I can wear it if I want. Right? right? He just went. And Karim, Karim just went. And, uh, so, you have to schedule your... Uh, yeah, I had to schedule the uh, tawaf and everything. And I actually wow. thought that, all right, I'm going to schedule my tawaf. I go on the app, right? So I can actually go on the first floor where the Kaaba is. So I schedule first floor tawaf. I'm like, all right, I guess if for regular people, you know, if you don't have a schedule, you could go to the second floor. But now I'm scheduling it. I should be able to get in. On, on so or something? something like that. So I, I go, I go, I show them the app, uh, and then they're like, "This is the way." So I go up, and I'm on the second floor. I'm like, I ask the guard, I'm like, "What's going on here? This is the the second floor. How do I get to the first floor?" He's like, "No, this is the first floor." So there's like a mezzanine floor or some other mm-hmm. French word. There's like the ground floor. Yeah. There's two ground floors. One for wheelchairs, which is like higher than the regular ground floor. So I was on the first floor. Which is like above the Kaaba. Wow. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. There's, there, there's no feeling of tawaf when you're doing that. There's no you, feeling of it. You can't see the Kaaba. And, and, you see and, green lights and this and that. Yeah. And, and, the, and it's also a construction site too. Yeah. It's all ugly on top of that. It's all cement. It looks like the subway. Bare cement. Huh? Literally, like, it looks like the subway. It's, yeah, it looks like the subway. so much work. Or like in a parking deck where you can't find your car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I don't know what these rules, man, they're so... I don't know if the rules are going to go away. That's the problem. Once rules come into place, it's so hard to... That's what I'm saying. People stuck on emergency mode. They don't know how to get off. Did you ever go when you were a kid and there was like a fake little emergency, right? Like a fight outside, right? And you're a little kid and you're afraid, but it's a fun fear. It's like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Help, right? We got to stick together. It's like a fun fear. It's like a fire drill, right? Right? In first grade, oh, fuck. People are like that, but they're adults. Yeah. That's the only difference. Let's wrap it up. Jazakumullah khairan, everyone. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. 
الا الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته